Well, Happy New Year, everyone. What a beautiful day to start out a new year, right? It's hard to believe. And I'm assuming, maybe I shouldn't, but uh, you've made your New Year's resolutions, right? That's what we do this time of year. Or at least give it a thought and then forget it a few minutes later. There's a, a, world, a global company called Statista that um, it's a data gathering uh, company for marketing purposes. And um, they just released a few days ago the results of their survey that they did here in the United States. What are the, what are the top uh, uh, New Year's resolutions for 2023? And um, no surprise here, the top three were, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to eat more healthily, and I, you can guess the third one, I'm going to lose weight. Um, that, I, that's, I bet that's the same every year. Uh, here in the United States. Now, the fourth one was, I want to save more money. And the fifth one on that list, that uh, survey was, I want to spend more time with family and friends and less time on social media. So um, there you go. Some, nothing wrong with those uh, New Year's resolutions. Maybe you have some other ones. But I wonder what God would want us to put on our list. Lord, what do you want me to put on my New Year's resolution list. And I have a sneaky suspicion that one of the things he'd want to put on my list is pray more. Of course, his word already tells us that. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. There you go. Pray without ceasing. Have a constant attitude of communion, of, of talking with him. Pray without ceasing. Um, We've been studying the book of Acts here at Fellowship Bible Church, and we see a, a, a dynamic church. We see a, a, a growing church in the face of persecution. We see strength and boldness. And you ask the question, what made, what made the early church such a dynamic and powerful body uh, of people to be sustained for all these centuries? And I think one of the answers to that question is that they were a praying church. If you go through the book of Acts, you see this over and over and over again. After Jesus ascended into heaven, what were the early believers doing? Well, Acts 1.14 says, They all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with all his brothers. It was a praying church. After the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and the church was gathered together in that power of the Holy Spirit, what marked them? Well, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and they prayed to prayer. As you move on in Acts, you see growing opposition. You see some persecution set in. And they got together, and what did they do? They prayed. And when they had prayed, the place that they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed, God, give us boldness, and boom, they got boldness because they, they asked God for it. Uh, next week, we'll start in chapter 6 of Acts. And as the church grew and there were complications in the church, uh, they had to do some reorganization. But the disciples, the apostles, what was their priority? They said in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. We go to chapter 9, and you see this 
this man who was a, a key leader in Judaism, a young man who was persecuting the church, Saul of Tarsus. And he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And uh, he stops being a persecutor of the church and he begins to be a prayer warrior. And it says in Acts chapter 9, 11, that a man by the name of Ananias, the Lord came to him and he said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he's praying from being a persecutor to a prayer warrior. That was the Apostle Paul. Very next chapter, chapter 10, as the um, gospel is being spread to away from Judaism into the Gentile world. It says in chapter 10, verse 1, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius. He was a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. He gave many alms to the Jewish people. And what marked him? He prayed to God continually. And as the book of Acts con uh, continues to... Um, expand that the church begins to expand into the gentile population um, all throughout that chapter 10 is a reminder there was prayer 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 people were constantly praying and of course then persecution continues to increase in chapter 12 verse 5 peter is thrown into prison but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of god the very next chapter they send out missionaries um, into Asia Minor and, and that, that whole missionary venture began. And how did it begin? When they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them away, fasting and praying. And we could go over and over and over again and again in the book of Acts. Why was that early church in the book of Acts, why was it so vibrant? Why did God bless it so powerfully? What do we learn from the book of Acts and the early church? Well, one thing we learn, and this was a church that prayed they were a praying church. And where did they get that idea? I mean, why was that so embedded into who they were? Why did the disciples make that such a priority at the, from the very beginning of the book of Acts to the, these early believers and followers of Jesus? Because they saw it modeled by their Lord when they walked with him. Acts chapter, or Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, And it happened that while Jesus was praying, in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. They saw Jesus get up early in the morning and go by himself into a quiet place to pray, time and time and time again. They heard him pray. Um, it was not like the religious officials prayed. There was something unique about Jesus. There was something so personal, so relational, Teach us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. And that was so inculcated into the lives of the disciples that when the early church began, that's what they emphasized. They prayed. Um, and, and it's not complicated. This is simple stuff, right? Praying, simply talking with God. It's not like giving. Giving, you got to kind of plan and look at your budget and and kind of decide, what, Lord, what do you want us to do? There's so many opportunities out there. What, what should we do? Or serving in the church. That can be a little bit of complication there. I've got to carve out time. What are my strengths? What are my giftedness? Um, God, how have you shaped me? How am I wired? Where, where can I best fit into the, the, the body of Christ and use my giftedness? It takes a little effort, a little bit of time. But prayer? 
I mean, you can't get any simpler than that. It's just talking with God. And if we used a little acronym, ACTS, like the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, it even makes it simpler. How do we pray? Well, we start, as Jacob has led us already, in some adoration. Spend a little bit of time adoring God and then move to confession. Lord, here's some struggles in my life. Here's where I'm falling short, and your Holy Spirit is raising that in my life, and I just want to confess it to you. And we could talk about Thanksgiving in just a moment. Um, Joe Hauser is going to lead us in our communion time, and it's, it's a time of Thanksgiving for what God has done. And you sit and begin to list the things that we can be thankful for, count your blessings, name them one by one. It'll shock us what the Lord has done, right? And then we have supplication. We just unburden our hearts before the Lord. Acts, A-C-T-S. Look, prayer is not complicated, right? You could be driving down the road. You could be, you know, going to bed at night. You can be early riser and just having a cup of coffee and staring out into the back patio. And you could be talking with God. You can be adoring him and confessing and thanking him and sharing the burdens of your heart. This is not rocket science. And so the question I have to ask myself is, so why is it so hard to to build that into my life? I mean, why don't I do it better and more? I don't know if you think that way, but I sure do. Why don't I do it more? I was finished up again. um, There's a great little book uh, by... Um, about J. Hudson Taylor, the missionary who brought the gospel into China in the 19th century. Uh, J. Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets. Great little read. You ought to read, this, uh, read it sometime this year. And I just finished it again. And um, it just convicted me all over again. I mean, what God did in China was amazing. But he, God didn't do anything without a response to the the praying heart of J. Hudson Taylor and the missionaries there. Man, they prayed. Why isn't that more part of my life? And in thinking this, I came up with five reasons. I'm going to run through them quickly. Then the rest of the morning, we're going to spend some more thoughts on prayer together. But I think one of the reasons is, um, well, I'm just too busy. You ever think that way? You know... I'm starting my 34th year as pastor here at Fellowship Bible Church, senior pastor. 34th year. I'm getting old, folks. (laughs) I was 34 years young when I came here. I had energy and all sorts of, you know, stuff. And let me give you a little secret. This church is as busy today as it ever was. And I don't have any more energy. And... um, You know, sometimes I just have the attitude, I I think I I, I can only do so much, Lord. And so I've got to get going on the day. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And it's easy to shrink up my time, those conversations with the Father. I'm too busy, Lord, or at least I think I am. I look at my prayer life and I wonder, why is it more fervent? Well, how about number two? I just, I really don't need anything right now, Lord. I feel pretty complacent. I feel pretty feel pretty, you know, satisfied where, where I'm at, you know, I'm, hey, it's coasting time, right? Um, things aren't so bad. Um, I mean, 20 years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer, boy, you really start praying then, but things are going pretty good right now. And um, that intensity or that fervency in prayer can easily wane. How about for you? I don't need 
anything right now, Lord. Or how about this one? This is convicting. I really don't care enough for others to be praying. This past week, man, there was a ton of uh, prayer requests came. I got texted or, or emails that came through on our, on our prayer group. Just a bunch of things uh, for prayer. Do I care enough for people? Most of whom I know, but do I care enough to really engage God in prayer or set it aside and say, I'll get to that? Do I care enough or am I content with my superficial caring um, that I never take it to the next level of intense, almost agonizing prayer for people? Do I care enough to build that into my life? How about this one? Maybe I'm just a small thinker. Um, content with my mundane life, my mundane routineness, coasting along. Um, don't ask me to dream anything too big. Um, I did that in the past. You know, right now, we've got to coast. Don't ask me to dream big dreams for God or see Him do something big in my life or my family's life or in our church's life. Small thinker. I'm not, I'm not challenging um, God enough in this because I'm content where I am. Where's the big, bold, persistent requests? That same missionary in China, J. Hudson Taylor, once said, the prayer power, prayer power has never been tried to its fullest capacity because if we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, well, then let's answer God's standing challenge to us. Call on to me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you know us not. We, we just are small thinkers sometimes, and I don't know if I want a big challenge in my life right now. But God is saying, hey, call on to me. I'll, I'll answer you. I'll show you things that you don't have a clue what could happen if you just ask me. But small thinking can kind of keep our prayer um, time uh, to a minimal. And then there's a fifth thing that sometimes impacts us, and I think it's more important. This is the most important of all. Maybe I'm just a little godder. That God is just uh, nicely fits into a box, at least in certain parts of my day. Oh, I, I can preach a sermon on the sovereignty of God. I have no problems with that. I know I could, I could, we could do a whole series on the character of God and who God is. But you know, you go through life and you go through a day and all of a sudden you push the panic button or the worry starts coming and you, you, in reality, I'm just a little godder. And I'll stew more over some things instead of going to him and going to the big God that he is. The transcendently glorious, marvelous, infinite creator of all and laying my burden down and wrestling with him and, and asking him. A God who is transcendently glorious but imminently near who says, call upon me, I'll answer you. The God who says, suffer the little children to come on to me. He says, come on up, sit on my lap and, on, on, and, and bear your soul to me. Daddy, Father, Abba, Father. Am I a big Godder or am I a, a little Godder? How do I view God? 
And if I go through my day and all of a sudden I start focusing on the things of life, my God shrinks up. A 17th century priest, French priest, Francois Fenelon, wrote this, and I think it's, it's just wonderful um, showing the heart of a, of a believer connected with a transcendent but imminently near God. He said, tell God all that is in your heart as one unloads one's heart, its pleasures, its pains to a dear friend. Just tell him. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober you. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him. Talk to him about your temptations that he may shield them from you. Show him the wounds of your heart that he can heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved taste for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself and to others. Just talk to him. And if you thus pour out your weaknesses, your needs, your troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want for subjects of conversation. They don't weigh their words, for there's nothing to be held back. Neither, neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of their heart without consideration. They say just what they think. Blessed are those who attain to such familiar, unresolved conversations with God. Talk to Him. And again, this is not rocket science. What a great thing to ask the Lord to help us with in a new year. To be on the bended knee in 23. To just talk with God more than maybe what we ever have before. As individual believers, as a church family, like the early church, the Acts, some time of adoration, some time of confession, some time of thanksgiving, some time of supplication. It's amazing how a day can be filled and prayer will be ceaselessly heading to the throne of heaven as we commune with our Father. I'm going to lead us in a little time now of, of confession. And uh, when I'm done with this prayer, then there'll be just a moment of silence and you can continue that with the Lord. If the, the Holy Spirit lays something in your heart, just share it with the Lord, confess it to Him. Would you bow your head, please? And so, Father, thank you, for the, thank you for the freedom that you've given us through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. Just celebrating this wonderful season, remembering the incarnation, what Jesus has done for us, paying for our sins, dying on the cross, setting us free. Yet, Father, we can, I think, easily confess today that so often we live like shackled slaves instead of instead of understanding how you delight in us, how you pour out your grace in us, we can so easily succumb to that little voice, that, that voice that kind of whispers in our, our ear about shame and guilt and the, the mess-ups we've done and the failures that we've had. And instead of receiving your grace as a gift, we just, so oftentimes, Father, we confess this, we just redouble our own efforts of, of self and Instead of um, accepting the freedom that we have in Jesus, we, 
seem to clutch at our chains and prefer to be in that mess of, um, of wretchedness. Instead of pursuing your purposes, Father, we so oftentimes can cling to our short-sighted agendas and purposes. Father, as, as the psalmist said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any wicked way within me. Lead me, Father, in the, in the everlasting way. And then, Father, forgive me and embrace us, cleanse us, heal us all. Father, use us in this new year. May we be people in 23 on the bended knee. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll just continue, just a moment of silence. Continue, continue in confession. It's my privilege to uh, lead us in a time of, of supplication. That, that word, really, it just means we are, we are looking to, to plead to the Lord. We are looking to, uh, to, to lay our burdens down uh, before him, uh, to ask him for things in his name. Uh, and we see this throughout all of Scripture. We see through the Old Testament uh, every character in the New T in the Old Testament is is in a place of pleading to the Lord at some point in their lives. Uh, we see it in the Psalms, and uh, in, in Psalm thirty seven says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and and He will give you the the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act." And further on in the Psalms, uh, in eighty four, for the Lord is our God; He is the sun and our shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and, and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And then well, we read the, the Lord's Prayer, and just after that, uh, the, the, the disciples and the people surrounding Jesus are obviously uh, wondering, so what do I do with all of my life? And he says, uh, for this reason, I, I say to you, don't be worried about your life. Or what you'll eat or what you'll drink, what you'll put on your body as clothes. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. And he goes on telling them, God will provide. And a few verses later, uh, he says, do not worry when saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear for clothes. He says, the Father knows the things that you already need, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we're going to have a time of, of supplication and a, a time of praying for folks in the spheres of the influences that we have. Some of them are far-flung influences. So as we go through this time of prayer, I'm going to give you prompts to pray for folks, uh, and they will 
get closer and closer and closer and closer to you. And eventually, and at the end, we will ask the Lord uh, for things in our lives. Uh, so we'll, we'll begin that. Uh, and I'll give you moments, uh, maybe a minute or so, in between each of those prompts uh, to be praying for those people because we have been called into their lives as ambassadors of Christ uh, to, to do just that. So pray with me, if you will. Father, you have given us this opportunity to enter your throne room and to seek the things that you have for us and for the people that you have surrounded us with. We think of the world in all of its grandeur, and we think of the leaders that you have placed over countries far and wide, even in our own country, our own presidents and senators and representatives, even locally of, of mayors and board members, even micro-locally, uh, school administrators, and, and even, even smaller than that, maybe even our own HOA presidents. So, Father, I just ask that this time we would lift them to you. And we think of spiritual leaders. Some are, are leaders globally in, in ministries like the Salvation Army or, or uh, maybe it's Operation Christmas Child or even locally with Operation or with Ab Care or with the Rescue Mission. Uh, even the local churches that surround us and their pastoral staff and their elders and leaders, we lift them to you right now. Father, it's not an accident that you have us living in the places that we live and working in the places that we work and playing in and around with the people that you have us surrounded by. So right now, we want to we pray for those people in those, those third spaces in our lives where there's sports teams that maybe our kids are on or dance classes that we see parents at or maybe it's folks that we invite over for dinner to to have dinner and to play games. Maybe we see them regularly at a coffee shop or a restaurant that we are locals at or, or maybe even at a gym that we work out with. Father, those are the people in those spaces uh, that we see on a regular basis and we lift them to you right now. Father, we, we work with people every, every week. And some of those people work for us. Some of those people we work for. Some of them are clients or customers. Some of them are even our competitors. We pray for them right now. 
Father, we live exactly where you want us to. And you call us to to be beacons of light and hope for the gospel in those places that we live. So those folks that live around us, those neighbors, maybe they're right across the street, maybe they're blocks away, we know that some of them have no idea who you are. Some of them have, have maybe tasted a bit of who Jesus is, but they're not quite there. So we lift them in prayer before you right now. Father, you have surrounded us with family. No matter how far away they may live from us, you have given us people to, uh, to call home. So right now, Lord, we, we pray. We pray for those folks who are even in our extended families, but also those siblings, spouses, children, parents. We know, Father, that again, You have called us into their lives to be the love of Christ uh, towards them. So we lift them in prayer right now. Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. Very few of us could ever imagine counting the hairs on our head, but somehow or another, you know us even that intimately. You know our every need, our every care. And we take these next moments or two to lift these before you and to lay them at your feet. Father, we are a weak and fearful people, and we look to you for strength. And we know that by blessing us, it no way diminishes your glory or your greatness. And in fact, it enhances it. And you have already given us the greatest gift we could have ever imagined through your Son. And we so heartily accept his worthiness for our unworthiness and his sinlessness for our transgressions, his purity for our uncleanliness, his love for our hatred. We accept his his fullness for our emptiness and his glory for our shame and his death for our life, a life that is abundant and eternal. Father, you are sending us into the world, into the world as your ambassadors. Help us to build bridges, bridges that 
accurately portray the love and the words of Christ to those around us. We thank you, Lord. And we pray this in his name. Amen.